All right, we're here, we're live. We had a little technical difficulty, so I apologize for that. I'm flying solo tonight, but let me get that. Hold on, it's my dog at the door. So we've all seen them, right? We've seen those patients that um, give us some, some point to cause, like to, to pause, because listen, they come in and we're a little worried about them because they seem really obsessed with something that, I mean, to most normal people, um, seems barely there, insignificant, hard to see. Hey, Kate, great to see you again today. She's amazing, and uh, we're going to get her uh, a special place in history. Elizabeth Hagen, another person who's going to be a superstar. Um, she and Kate are going to go all the way. Um, Elise Weiner, oh my God. You guys are supposed to be having dinner, Christina Metzpah. Hello, welcome to the Aesthetic Mentor. I'm Dr. Russo, guiding you, guiding you on your aesthetic journey to excellence. Our goal is to become the gold standard in medical aesthetic education, and we are well on our way. I've got some exciting new developments that are coming that are going to blow up Aesthetic Mentor in a really positive way. Uh, my fa One of my favorite patients, Kate, is here as well. She came in for a little treatment today for her wedding pre-wedding treatment and she's going to be a beautiful, beautiful bride. But we've all seen them, right? These patients that come in and they, you know, want stuff done and they seem like a real perfectionist and you're pointing out things that we, you know, barely can see or sometimes can't see and they're really obsessed with it. So the, the talk tonight is what is dysmorphia? You know, people throw that, hey, Maddie, thanks. Maverick, good to see you guys. Charlie and Maverick. What is dysmorphia? You know, how do we separate that from dysphoria? If you're dysmorphic, do you have dysphoria? Are you dysphoric? Probably. If you're dysmorphic, you always probably are dysphoric. But if you're dysphoric, are you dysmorphic? Hopefully and probably not, but we'll get into that later. But, you know, what do you do? So what is dysmorphia, right? Um, it's a medical deformity, right? It's sort of a, a medical... It's a medical, I would say, term that describes a deformity that's an abnormality in the size or specific part of the body, the size or shape of a specific part of the body. Um, in the aesthetic world, we are really more familiar with it from those patients that have an unrealistic or illogically obsessed behavior around something that they perceive, whether real or imagined, to be limiting their life, and it just sort of grabs them and controls their life. So we've all seen those patients, right? That we're, we're looking at them going, you know, I, I really don't see that. Or gee, that doesn't seem as bad as, you know, they're saying, or someone who comes in with something small. I mean, I had a a, a nephew uh, who actually had body dysmorphic disorder. Hello, Saitan. They've become regulars on the show. We're going to actually classify you now as a member of our posse, Redheaded Spike. Happy birthday, Red. Happy birthday, Red. Spent all day watching the Brady, um, I guess, biographies and stuff, and that's how she wanted to spend her birthday. That is a true sports and Brady fan. And I, she probably threw some Justin Bieber in there too because she's crazy about Bieber. But, but she's red, so you can't really make any conclusions. So my nephew, you know, came in and um, 
he had these, you know, he was probably 18, 19, 20, somewhere in that range a while ago. And he had you know, a couple small little areas of hyperpigmentation. Some people might call them freckles or little beauty marks or something like that. And um, he, uh, you're welcome, Red. He was obsessed with them to the point where he felt like he couldn't go outside and be seen in public because people would be staring at his little small beauty marks and um, was wearing like cover up and was staying in the house. He was trying to, he was studying to become a pilot and he was a pretty smart, normal kid, but absolutely honored to be a member of the Posse. Very cool, very cool, welcome. It's a, um, it's a rarefied position. It's a position of great honor and distinction. So we welcome you to our, uh, our AM Posse. Um, so, you know, so I thought, you know, what do I do? So this was really before we really understood BDD, body dysmorphic disorder, because, you know, um, these patients who are dysmorphic are obsessed with things that are, are there in some way. Sometimes they're not. They're, they may be real, they may be imagined, but in their, own, in their minds it's real and it's debilitating and they won't, you know, leave the house and they'll cover up and they'll do all these kinds of things. So I actually took a few of them off, you know, a few of these little beauty marks, I call them, little areas of hyperpigmentation, little moles off. And, um, you know, it didn't, didn't really help because there was still a couple left and he started focusing on the scar, which you could barely see. And so it kind of opened my eyes to, to this idea that in our minds as providers, sometimes we see patients that were just like, you know, they're kind of crazy. Like, um, you know, why are they, why are they focusing on this little spot like way over here that no one could even see, but yet in their own minds, it's, it's tremendous. And it's, they it, it, it can barely like deal with life because this thing is there and they, everyone's seeing it. And, and it's, you know, it can be really severe and debilitating. Um, I do also remember a patient of mine who was a psychologist and he was obsessed with this thing on his face. It's like this little shadow, this little shelf, this little something, this little depression. And I said, well, you know, I'm looking directly at you and I'm this close to you. And I, you know, honestly, I just don't see it. I, you know, I, I believe you that it's there, but help me see it. Cause I don't see it. And he said, well, if I look in the mirror and I put the light here and I turn in this direction, can you see it now? And I was like, not really, you know, not really. I'm, I'm sure it's there, but I'm just, you know. So, so it was like, if you have to like stand upside down, look backwards in the mirror with a light shining like this, it must, re I mean, it must seem to at some point that, well, if you're not doing that, can anyone see it? If you can't even see it. Hello, Eileen. Nice to see you again. Um, if you can't see it in normal lighting and a normal position in, in life, how can that be a crazy thing? Another patient came in and, you know, when I, when I met her, I <laughs> get my telescope or my microscope. Yeah. Or my ultra light, ultraviolet light or something. Um, another patient comes in and, you know, she so, sort of says, oh, my abdomen is, you know, it's problematic and this and that. And it looks terrible. And so I said, well, let me see. She said she takes off her shirt or whatever. And I was like, you know, that, that actually looks like a pretty good abdomen. I, I think most people would love to end up where you're starting out. She goes, well, wait, 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 you haven't seen it. I said, what do you mean I haven't seen it? So she literally jumps off the bed and goes onto the floor and starts doing a plank like this. And she said, can you see it? I said, no. She goes, you have to get down on the floor to see it. I'm like, 
What? She goes, you have to get down on the floor and look at my stomach from down here and you can see it. So I said, okay. So I got down on the floor and I looked up at her abdomen. I don't know why this keeps going on. I looked up and I, I could see a little bit of excess skin maybe, but I was like, well, so who sees you, your belly, when you're doing a plank, when it's six inches off the ground? Like, wh- what are you... What are you doing? What are we thinking? What are we talking about here? So, you know, these are kind of examples of, of some of the patients we deal with that, you know, may scare us, right? So let's talk a little bit about the characteristics of dysmorphia, right? <laughs> uh, hey, Rachel, how are you? So Rachel works with me and she's an awesome nurse and she just came back from a ski trip to Utah and she's revved up and ready to go. So how do you know if you have dysmorphia or your patient is dysmorphic and they focus on these body parts that are perhaps um, normal in appearance, but to them are not? Um, so what are, the, what are the symptoms? And see if this applies to anyone you know, because you know sometimes if you do have this disorder, as, as I'm talking about, um, you have to get these patients help. You have to get them to someone who, who specializes in this and deals with this. Um, extreme occupation with perceived flaws that are either not seen or to the normal observer seem minor. Way out of proportion to the way the person perceives them. Um, strong belief that this deformity or defect makes you ugly or deformed. Other people you believe are mocking you and studying you and bullying you and making you feel terrible because of this perceived deformity. You're constantly trying to fix it. You're constantly looking in a mirror. You're constantly moving or rubbing the skin or doing whatever or picking at it with your finger to, to kind of remove it. You're hiding these perceived flaws with clothing, makeup, Hair, you know, hair over your face or whatever it is, you're you're constantly trying to hide it because you believe that it's there, and people will do nothing except stare at those little things that you are concerned about. Um, you're constantly seeking reassurance from other people um, about your appearance. You have perfectionist tendencies, right? So, I mean. There, there are a lot of people that we see that, that have that. That's part of the reason why they're coming to see us. But how do we sort of sort out what's normal and then what starts to become abnormal? Seeking cosmetic procedures and in spite of having them are not made better. They have little satisfaction. Like I said with my nephew where I, I took off a couple of these small little, we used to call them beauty marks. Um, areas of hyperpigmentation, flat moles. Um, and he, he then cons- started obsessing about the other ones and then or the little tiny scars where, where I had to remove the other one. So, um, you know, you don't want to chase your tail with those kind of patients because you're just going to make them worse. And unfortunately, they need psychiatric help, not plastic surgery or aesthetic or injectable help. Um, Avoid social situations. Have a great deal of social anxiety because you're afraid that people are going to look at you and think you're ugly and deformed and um, you'd rather just hide or stay quiet. But overall, and also suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts because this, this 
little mark on your face is, is unbearable. How can anyone live with that? Because people are staring at that and they think you're deformed and ugly and terrible and how could life be worth living? And the bottom line is that all of these things I'm talking about interfere with your normal daily functioning, right? If you have a vision of yourself, an image of yourself as being deformed and being, you know, just ugly and terrible looking, and you're afraid to, to talk to people or go out and you cover yourself up and you always have a mirror and you're constantly picking at yourself and, and you're just obsessed with it and it doesn't get better, then um, you have a problem. You might be dysmorphic and, and, be, and have dysphoria and all these things we're talking about. So, you know, these patients come in and we have to be a little bit of a psychiatrist, right? We have to be a little bit able to sort of think about you know, the person that just wants to look better and you know, maybe they're a little obsessed, maybe they're like, hyper-focused on something and, and you know, I've had plenty of those patients and, and um, most of the time if I've done surgery on them and I've set their ears back or made their breasts bigger or made their uh, butt smaller or bigger or changed their nose and it's over and they're just like, oh my God, that changed my life, I feel great. Hi, hi Dr. Lynn. I think she's got one more visit to us and she's going to be part of the posse. Dr. Lin, if you if you join us next week, you're going to be part of the posse. So, uh, you're she's becoming a real regular on the show. So those those are the kind of things. So you you see these patients, and and you know if if there's you know if you do something on them and they still aren't happy, um, booking more. We will see you. And they're still not happy. In fact, maybe they're even less happy. And you got to maybe stop and say, you know, are they dysmorphic? Do they have this, this body dysmorphic disorder? Are they someone that is not only going to be not made happier, but are going to actually be made worse by this? And do they need psychiatric help? Um, what are the risk factors for body dysmorphic disorder? Um, it often starts like with my nephew um, when they're young, like in their teenage years. Um, at least four more. It's now my hobby, Dr. Lynn. You are too funny. She's been training at our school in Connecticut and doing great work, and we're so proud of her. And She's doing so well. Uh, thank you for being part of it. Uh, as you know, we have a school in Waltham and a school in um, Connecticut. And if you go to Connecticut, you can train there from, from being from any state in the country. They'll give you a temporary license, and you can train there and inject until your fingers fall off. Uh, go to the link in our bio and you can see how to get a hold of us and what our, cough, our course offerings are like and go from there. Um, so what are the risk factors for BDD? Well, as I said, it starts when you're, or when you're young and sometimes if you've been ostracized, if you've been bullied, uh, if you've been belittled uh, you know, at an early sort of formative point in your life, that certainly leads to it. If you have relatives with BDD or OCD, because it's sort of a, a more sort of aggressive or, or more severe form of OCD, you know, but it, it interferes with your with your activities of daily living and your just your life in general. Um, childhood teasing, neglect, or abuse. I mean, you can see how that would lead to someone focusing on one thing and saying, this is, this little pimple on my face is making everyone think I'm ugly. Um, people who strive for perfectionism, they're just born that way or they're made that way. Um, by something that happens to them, in, in maybe a PTSD kind of thing. This is this is a big one that actually um, um, we may have overlooked. Um, social, societal pressures and expectations of beauty. Isn't that what social media is doing to all of us, particularly women and particularly with filters and people putting their best lives forward and someone who's 
kind of not so much in that way. Um, is looking at everyone else in the world going, oh my God, everyone has a perfect life and a perfect face and a perfect body and a perfect breast and a perfect butt, and I don't, so maybe I should just kill myself. Um, having another mental health condition such as severe anxiety or depression can certainly be a risk factor for BDD. Um, so we have to screen those patients carefully. Uh, and the complications that may be caused uh, or associated with BDD Obviously, major depression, uh, suicidal thoughts are not uncommon. Anxiety disorder and social phobias are uh, an important part of BDD. OCD, eating disorders, right? Because, you know, you want to change the way you look so you stop eating so you get thinner. Substance abuse, you can imagine, like, just make the pain, <clears throat> make the pain go away. Let me self-medicate. Um, skin picking to pull out those evil spirits, uh, physical pain or disfigurement uh, due to surgical treatments, due to aesthetic treatments, uh, due to failed uh, goodwill, you know, people trying to get better. So have any of you guys seen patients like this? Have it, do you, any of you have stories or questions about, um, you know, what these people are, are like? Does anyone have a good story to share? Um, which areas are often affected? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, face, most often moles, uh, acne scars, active acne, uh, thinning hair, you know, in, in women and men, um, skin conditions, veins that stick out that are varicose, breast size, um, muscle size in men and physical stature in general, uh, genitalia. Um, so, you know, it can affect sort of almost any body area, but it's something that we as providers need to be more aware of. And the last thing you really want to do um, with these patients is treat them. Uh, I mean, treat them, you know, in terms of uh, a surgical procedure or an injectable or something like that, because that's not the issue. Um, they're seeing things that you're not seeing. Like I, I was talking about that psychiatrist or psychologist I was treating who, you know, had to like put himself into weird positions and look through a mirror and with a light behind him to sort of even see what what's bothering him. So when you see something like that, you know, you just have to think to yourself, you know, maybe this is more than what meets the eye. Maybe this person really is having some kind of dysmorphic disorder. Maybe they do perceive these areas as being excessively difficult for them to deal with. And maybe they do need more than we can offer them as physicians or nurses or nurse practitioners. Maybe what they really do need is a psychiatrist. And, you know, th this is not a disorder that you treat with a pill and it goes away. You know, this is a lifelong battle um, to perceive yourself in a positive way. And unfortunately, you know, you'll sometimes run across providers who just think, well, you know, I'll just treat them and they'll do anything. They'll take, take the money. And Hi, Wendy. Unfortunately, we're talking about body dysmorphic disorder and dysmorphia in general and how difficult that is sometimes to diagnose. And how dangerous it is if you don't diagnose this and you start treating these patients because in some ways it makes them worse. So we sometimes have to step back a little bit and think, you know, that little thing on there, like some, I've had patients that, you know, have had, you know, uh, sutures, for example, or had a little um, kind of Morpheus treatment or some kind of treatment where the skin is, gen or even a peel or a laser. And there's a little almost imperceptible spot or a dot or a 
discoloration or something that you know you would never notice unless you had a magnifying glass and we're like oh yeah there's like three more cells of pigmentation there than the other side but those patients are are focused on that to the point where you know that's all they're thinking about that's all they're seeing they're covering it they're picking it they're trying to rub it they're trying to you know do things and they want you to do things to help and in those patients, we have to really step back and think to yourselves, you know, maybe we don't want to bite into this apple. Maybe this is a really dangerous one and maybe we're going to make them worse. And, and, and after you see a number of them, you'll realize what I'm talking about. But I would say, listen, you know, I know that you see it. I know that it really bothers you. And I, I understand that. However, after having been in this field, I'm going to put, you know, for me, 31 years, you know, having been a, a in this field for 31 years. Hey, Sid Lambert. Hey, Kate, you think it's going to worsen with the social media? Yeah, Kate, I 100% agree with you. They put so much pressure on us all to look perfect and be perfect, and we know no one really is. But you say, listen, you know, in my 31 years, I've treated a lot of patients, and, you know, I understand that little spot somewhere on your face that you, you, you see um, that I, you know, honestly, in, in all honesty, I don't really see, or if I do see it, you know, I just feel like I've got 12 of them myself. Like, it, it, it's okay. I think maybe it would be helpful to you to just get you know a psychiatric opinion because there is a disorder uh, called BDD. My success has been because of the patients I have chosen not to treat. That's very, very, very well stated, um, and it, it takes a lot of time to be to be good at that. And understand that sometimes, like your best surgery is the one you didn't do because you know that that was going to be a nightmare. You know, and, and you get this little voice inside your head or this little feeling in your stomach or whatever, however it affects you, and you're just like, this doesn't seem right. Um, but you just have to say to them, look, I think that you should get another opinion from a psychiatrist because there is this thing called BDD, and you know you can explain some of the things that I explained tonight. And it would be helpful to you maybe just to sort of get that burden off your shoulder and talk to somebody about it. And the psychiatrist will immediately recognize it. And there are psychiatrists and psychologists who specialize in this, you know, treating this disorder. And I know it's really tough. It's really difficult. There are some, obviously some medications, but it's therapy. It's constant vigilance. It's, it's a lifelong battle, as are some of the other things we deal with. So, um, so have any of you encountered patients like that? Have any of you treated patients like that and sort of regretted it? Have any of you got, you know, better ideas? Are any of you feeling any of those symptoms for yourself? You know, because sometimes some of the people in this industry, if you look at them, they look to us like, it's kind of the opposite. They look to us like they're dysmorphic. They look to us like they're aliens that are trying to look human, but they see themselves as normal. Like, it's the opposite, right? Like, they're creating deformities that we all see that they don't see. Whereas the dysmorphic patient has no deformity, but they see nothing but a deformity, real or imagined. So it's kind of the opposite. And I think that sometimes this extends to the adult children of what patients? Of these patients. To the adult, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, you know, maybe there's a genetic link. Maybe there's some component of it. But when you see your parents or whatever behaving in that way and being obsessed with certain things, naturally you're sort of awareness is heightened as well about your appearance and, and social media, as we were saying, Wendy, hasn't done anybody any favors because everyone has a perfect filter and a perfect body and perfect breasts and a perfect bottom and a perfect teeth. You know, every, everything's perfect and their life is perfect and they're always in some Caribbean island somewhere. I have, I've had mothers bring in their daughters who are in college 
or high school and they are focusing on their child's tiny imperfections. Yeah, parents often do drive it because they want their children to be perfect and beautiful and have the world adore them. And it isn't doing them any favors, Wendy. You're 100% right. It's, it's creating this more, it's creating unhappy patients. Why is the suicide rate so high? Why are people doing all these terrible things to themselves? Why are people searching and chasing something that they can't ever attain? Um, why is social media putting so much pressure on us to be perfect and beautiful and live amazing lives? So there's a lot, lots of unanswered questions, but you know, the, my main point tonight was just trying to say this is a serious disease, this is a serious problem. Many of them do commit suicide. Many of them do live unhappy lives. Many of them lock themselves away and cover themselves up and just feel terrible all the time. And they come to you as a provider, as a provider and creator of beauty, like Austin is a provider and creator, creator of beauty. He just got on the scene. Um, we're talking about body dysmorphic disorder and even sometimes patients who've had you know, morphia treatments and they have one tiny little mark that you can barely see, it ruins their life. You know, so that is a patient you say, you know what? I mean, I've had patients come in before and they've had treatments and they were so, they were so negatively impacted by what is, you know, some bruising, some swelling, some asymmetry, some whatever it is. And to the point where, you know, they were crying, they locked themselves in the house, they wouldn't let anybody see them. And I, you know, I said, I remember saying to one patient, I said, you know what? There's no crying in Botox. Like we don't ever get crying in Botox. Like that's just not a thing. And I just said, you know, in my own opinion, I don't think this is for you. And I, like, as soon as I said that, she started getting so happy. Like, really, I'm not a candidate for that. Like, I shouldn't do this anymore. Because she really wasn't the kind of person that could handle any of the downsides, any of the complications, or even just the normal bruising, swelling, asymmetry, takes time to kick in kind of stuff. She couldn't handle it. And she was literally crying every day, wouldn't leave her house. And I was just like, you shouldn't do this. And she was like, I gave her permission not to do it. So she was so happy. So, so you have to really do your best to get inside the heads of these people. And if you do see someone that you feel, um, you know, it's kind of beyond what you would consider normal perfectionism. Someone who is inordinately um, affected by something that you consider either not there at all. I also sometimes Tony Robbins them and that ends up being their whole, I'm not, I, I also sometimes Tony Robbins them that ends up being their whole appointment. Yeah, yeah, just sort of giving them some like a rah-rah speech to get them going and feeling better. And But you know, it's, it's a really severe problem. And um, let, let me just go over the symptoms again for those of you who weren't listening back then. Um, extreme occupation with um, relatively minor defects or deformities that are barely seen or really you can't see them at all, but the patient perceives them all the time and can't escape them. Um, a strong belief that the deformity that they see makes them perceived by others as ugly or severely deformed. Um, feeling that other people notice you and are mocking you. And you know, as soon as you turn away, you feel like they're laughing at you and pointing at you. Pretty severe. Um, constantly trying to fix the problem, grooming yourself, covering it with hair, picking at it, covering with makeup, you know, putting your stuff up so no one can really see your face, you know, whatever, whatever that is for you. Um, Hiding the flaws by, you know, wearing stylish clothing or clothes that cover you all up. Um, 
constantly comparing yourself to others. Like they are so much prettier than I am and they're so much bigger than I am and he's so much stronger than I am and constantly asking those around you for reassurance about your appearance. Do I really look okay? Can anyone see this? Do you think I'm ugly? Yeah, okay. Perfectionist tendencies, that's obvious, right? Hey Britt, just talking about dysmorphic disorder. I guess we're becoming a specialist in this area. Um, they're seeking constant procedures um, that don't give them any satisfaction, perhaps makes them even worse. And then they start focusing on the scar, or the needle hole, or the discoloration, or the broken bl blood vessel, and then they, you know, they're going down this, that into a sort of a cycle of depression and anxiety. They find themselves avoiding social situations. They don't want to be seen. They just are afraid to be seen because they think everyone's going to make fun of them, and they don't want to deal with that anymore. Um, suicidal thoughts. You know, this is. Uh, it's just so bad that little hole that I got from my Morpheus device often that's on my face has ruined me forever. And it interferes with your normal functioning of life. You find you're spending most of your time focusing on these minimal or you know imperceivable disorders and um, you're focused there and you're frozen there. Hey, Deluxe Bar, how are you guys? Do you want to do an IG Live for me? I may be away next week. Uh, I think we're going to fly to Florida and hang out. Um, let's talk. Deluxe Bar often does it. Maybe both of you guys could do it together. The two divas can do it together. Um, but this has been a little bit somber because we're talking about body dysmorphic disorder, which is, um, must have been another. <laughs> yes, it was another. Well, who's your biggest competitor? It must have been the, the, uh, signature device or the, uh, Take me with you. But then I won't have anyone to do the live. Well, we have to do the live from Florida. How's that? We could do it from the beach in Florida. Now, that would make everybody feel bad. That would make that would create a lot of ill will, maybe. People would be like, why can't we be there? So, hey, hey, Deluxe Bar, have you guys ever seen someone with, like, a relatively small, like, either minimally perceptible or imperceptible mark disorder, you know, mark, spot, line, divot, something on their body face? that um, cause them to have so much anxiety uh, that that's all they focus on. And you look at it and go, you know, not really seeing it or mean that little thing way over there. Oh, what do you mean that little thing? What? That, you know, like it destroys their life. Have you guys ever seen patients who had things that you thought were, you know, relatively minor that wouldn't you wouldn't even think twice of? Oh, you have, yeah. Did you treat them? Did you send them away? Did you send them to a shrink? Did you treat them and find that you cured them or made it worse? Uh, you know what? What's the what's the general consensus on that? Because I think that we may be under diagnosing some of these dysmorphic patients. And I was saying before that some of the patients we see want us to make them dysmorphic uh, for whatever reason. And then once they're made dysmorphic, they think they're normal. Uh, once we blow them up so they look like aliens who are. You know, the, whose lips are like this big and whose cheeks are like this big in their eye. Their cheeks are so big that they can't really open their eyes. Um, some of us do that to patients, not you guys. Um, but it, how bizarre is it that we, some of us create these deformities and the patients think it's great. And we have other patients that have absolutely nothing wrong with them who think who are ready to commit suicide because, you know, this little brown spot on their face is, is out of control. So that's my point for tonight. Um, any last minute comments? Uh, about dysmorphia, dysmorphic disorder. Just be careful with them. Just have a high index of suspicion and say, listen, I know this really bugs you, but I think you ought to see a shrink. 
I think we ought to just get a second opinion just because, you know, sometimes we try to focus on the positive and don't treat. We've been pretty lucky that they're, yeah, yeah, that's also a good thing. So I know you, I know you think this is terrible and deforming, but you know, you're a beautiful person. You've got beautiful eyes, you have beautiful hair, you've got a beautiful person trapped inside that, that, that this, this mind of yours that finds us that you're ugly, and you're, but you're really not. Maybe you should just talk to someone about it. Uh, you'll send them to me. <laughs> you guys are much smarter than I ever imagined. You guys are really, really, you send them to me and then I send them to a shrink and I spend like three hours with them trying to convince them not to kill themselves. But, uh, but it's been fun. So thanks everyone. Uh, I'm not sure what we're doing next week. I, I think I'm leaving Wednesday morning so I might be able to do it on Tuesday. But if not, I'll have these deluxe bar girls who are dynamite. Uh, talk about something more uplifting. But I just felt like I had to get it out today because I did see a couple of these patients recently. It just started me thinking that this is these are dangerous patients, uh, not only to you but to themselves, and we got to really um, stay on top of it and keep them safe. So have a great week, everybody. Be safe, stay humble, work hard, and do your best all the time. You'll never be sorry. Good night. See you next week.